Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from Angela Daniels. This story was recorded live on March 20th, 2019 at Bumport Theater. The theme of the show was growing. So I have to preface the story by telling you a little bit about myself. Um, I've been overweight or obese for large portions of my life, um, throughout my life. And I've also frequently been uh, one of the only people of color in a space for the majority of my life. And I think that growing up in a society that holds whiteness and thinness as the standards of beauty um, kind of created this thing in me that really wanted me, um, I wanted to find a way to fit in and to belong. So in 2005, I was 22 years old, and I was living in LA after moving there um, after graduating college. And growing was a terrifying term for me because I was anorexic. And it wasn't my first battle with an eating disorder. Um, Junior year of college, I was in a production of Anything Goes. It's a very fun musical. It's on a ship. There's lots of tap dancing. Um, So... I was tapping for three hours a day, and I had also started calorie counting for the first time in my life. Um, So by the end of the production, I was the thinnest that I'd ever been, and I was wearing clothes that the other kids my age were wearing and like feeling really cool, like I was fitting in. Um, But then the show ended, and I was no longer tap dancing for three hours a day. Um, And very slowly, like the weight started creeping back on, and I was just so desperate to hold on to this belonging that I had found. Um, that it became bulimic. And it got pretty bad, but it ended when I got into my first serious relationship, basically because he was just like there all the time. (laughs) (laughs) He essentially moved into my studio apartment, and so there was like nowhere to hide the like shame and binge and purge cycle. Um, And there's definitely something to be said for ending destructive behaviors, but because I didn't do any of the mental or emotional work to like get at the underlying issues that caused the bulimia, I was ripe to repeat the patterns um, when I found myself recently, bro- uh, recently dumped, broke, and flailing in LA. Um, so I moved out there with two of my friends from college, and we were all aspiring actresses. So naturally, two of us worked at the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, and the other at the Gap. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I will say it was one of the hardest years of my life, but it was just punctuated by these moments of magic and laughter and the kind of dreams that only three 22-year-olds trying to make in LA can have. Um, So I'm kind of fuzzy on the timeline, but I know that we moved into our modest apartment in Canoga Park in August of 2004. Um, I think I started restricting calories in December, and by May of 2005, I had lost 35 pounds, I was eating between 400 and 600 calories a day, exercising excessively, and chain-smoking marble ultralights. Because, don't judge me, I did not smoke in high school, I had to start somewhere. (laughs) So, at the height of my anorexia, and and probably somewhat caused by it, um, I stopped sleeping, and I started developing symptoms of what was later diagnosed as major depressive disorder. Um, And for me, that manifested as obsessive thoughts that I wasn't a good person, and I was a fake, and everyone was going to find out. And it made me super paranoid. 
So I wasn't sleeping or eating, um, and I was having these racing and obsessive thoughts. And um, I was talking to my mom on the phone, and she is in Baltimore, and she convinced me to go visit my sister in San Diego. Um, so I did, and uh, she took one look at me on her front porch, and she said, Angela, I'm not letting you leave. And I don't remember the events that led to this next part, but that night she took me to the state mental health hospital. And um, I stayed overnight for observation. And it was a teaching hospital. Um, so every hour they would come in and they'd wake you up and check your vitals. And it was like a doctor and seven residents. Um, and the room was more like a jail cell. And it was just cold and terrifying. Um, my sister had called my mom and told her to fly out immediately, which she did. And the next day, they got me out of the hospital. Um, my mom started helping me plan to pack up my stuff in LA and go out to Baltimore with her. And before we left, um, we went to a Center for Eating Disorders for a consultation. And I can't remember if it was there or at the hospital, um, but someone somewhere decided that I was having a psychotic break, and they prescribed antipsychotic medications but I wasn't having a psychotic break. And what the medication did to me was it formed this like impenetrable fog in my brain. And it made it feel like I couldn't tell if I was having any thoughts. And to go from having like racing and obsessive thoughts to not even being able to tell if I'm thinking at all, I cannot explain how terrifying that is. Um, so we go up to LA and we pack up my stuff into my Elantra and we take a cross-country road trip. Um, and the only thing I remember about that road trip is we stopped at a White Castle in like Kentucky or Ohio because I was obsessed with Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> but I'd never eaten at one. And I mean, it was okay. But it was probably wasn't worth all the shenanigans <laughs> to get into to get to one. But it was fine. Um, <laughs> all right, so this next part of the story is really weird. <laughs> so unbeknownst to me, uh, back in California at the... Center for Eating Disorders, they told my mom, do not leave her alone, because uh, they were afraid that I was suicidal. And this was a problem for my parents, because they had a vacation planned to Alaska eight days from when my mom was told that. So they paid an exorbitant amount of money to just tack me onto their vacation, and off we went to Alaska. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try and briefly tell you about this trip. Um, so it was my parents and some of our extended family and some of their extended family. So I think there was like 11 of us total. And we paid this dude named Miles to like drive us around in this van all over Alaska. And there was camping and hiking and a close encounter with a moose and a glacier. And my cousin's friend was trying to have sex with Miles and it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> and if you can imagine um, being on this trip, um, on wrongly prescribed uh, antipsychotic medication, feeling like you can't have thoughts. Um, also, just very quickly, having recently abandoned your new life in LA and having no idea what the hell you're going to do with the rest of your life. And also, oh, I was never alone <laughs> because my parents were afraid I was suicidal. So yeah, it was um, probably one of the top three weirdest trips I've ever been on. <laughs> So we left Alaska, and I went back to Baltimore with my parents, and I ended up uh, going inpatient at Johns Hopkins Hospital. And the mood disorder and eating disorder um, treatments are on the same floor there, which was very convenient for me. Uh, so, um, 
So the thing about, um, oh, it's a behavioral, they have a behavioral practice, which means that they think that by stopping the behaviors, um, they can solve, solve a large part of the problem. And what that meant for the eating disorder patients is that nurses would stand outside of the open bathroom doors to listen to everything you were doing in there. Um, we also ate all of our meals together, and they prepared them so that it was the correct calorie counts to get us to healthy weights. And most importantly for me, uh, they monitored medications. And thankfully, they believed me when I said that the antipsychotic um, drugs were making me feel horrible, and I was able to stop them immediately. Um, I'll never forget the day after I started Prozac. It was like the fog just lifted, and I felt like myself for the first time in months. And it was overwhelming because I honestly didn't know if I was ever going to feel that way ever again. Um, so I stayed inpatient for about two weeks and then moved to a halfway house um, a little bit outside of the hospital that they had for the eating disorder patients for about a week. Then I lived with my parents, I got a few jobs, I made the normal mistakes that 23-year-olds make, and eventually saved enough to move out to Arizona and live with some friends. That was 14 years ago, um, and I still sometimes have issues with body image and self-worth. Um, but luckily, I found a fitness and nutrition community about two years ago uh, that's really transformed my life. They focus on health and not weight, and it's really taught me to strive to be um, holistically healthy, um, and including my mental health and my emotional health. Uh, I share this story so if anyone is dealing with similar issues, they can know that it can get better and there's help available. Uh, growing is no longer a scary word to me. It's one of my favorite words. Growing means that I'm still here and I'm learning and I'm trying to be the best version of myself. I am so grateful for the time and energy and money that my parents spent um, to get me help. And also the love that they and my family and friends gave me um, while supporting me through all of this. Because of them, I am alive, I'm here, and I'm still growing. Thank you. Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sydney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with support from Scott Carney, Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, and Robert Rutherford. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. We'd also like to thank the Milk Blossoms, who provided the music you're listening to right now, and fans just like you, who attend our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theatre in Denver, Colorado. For more information about our storytellers or the narrators, visit thenarrators.org and find, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Yeah.
It's hard.